Get in, loser. We're going to book club. This is our whole deal. We're friends who read books. I'm Lindsay. And I'm Renee. And welcome to our third episode of Crybaby Books. And drumroll, please, because our next book to discuss is... Mame! A novel by Jessica George. <laughs> it's the happiest you'll ever hear somebody say Mame. <laughs> it really is. Mame in Ghanaian culture means woman. Maddie's whole family calls her this and talk about foreshadowing. This book is about a woman who carries the weight of her family despite how badly it's impacted her entire well-being. I mean, we're talking socially, developmentally, babes. Like, it's tough. Mame follows Maddie as she deals with the pressure of being the responsible one, despite being in her family full of people that are, like, all older than her. It's infuriating and difficult, and thank God slash glob that she's got some good friends. (laughs) So this book is by Jessica George. This is the sixth book she's written, but it's her first published novel. And I just was looking through her Instagram earlier, and she said it's been like a 10-year in the making process to to get to this novel being published. Oh, Jessica George. Jessica George. Uh, She was born and raised in London to Ghanaian parents, and she studied English Lit at the University of Sheffield? Sheffield? Sheffield. That wasn't wasn't European, but I really tried. Uh, She worked at a theater. She was a literary agent for a while. Then she landed a job in the editorial department of Bloomsbury, UK, and it's her first novel. I love it. Jessica was also a caretaker for her father with Parkinson's, and I listened to a podcast afterwards that she did with Barnes & Noble, like after I finished reading, and it turns out that Mame started as her personal diary, which is very sad, as we'll see throughout the book. And she's adapting it into a TV show, and she's like the producer and the editor and the like bad bitch who's going to make it all come together. Slay Jessica George. Okay, we're going to chat a little bit about the characters, and I'm just going to give you some warning. We've got a ton of characters in this book, so try to keep up. So first and foremost, we've got our heroine, Maddie Wright. Uh, She is British Ghanaian, and she's 25. She's the main caretaker for her dad. Um, and she's got a theater job in the beginning, and then she kind of moves into publishing. And then we've got her brother, James, who is like sort of a band groupie. He's like kind of flighty. He's older, but he like doesn't, he's not very present in the family. And he wears like really expensive clothes and sneakers, which is annoying. (laughs) It's just (laughs) annoying. I feel like they had him portrayed as like, Every British guy who, like, gets really westernized and, like, is annoying. Yeah, I was picturing uh, Rishi from The Mindy Project. That's who I was picturing the whole time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, we've got Maddie's mom. She is Ghanaian. She loves God and she is annoying and she's (laughs) she's where her son gets that kind of flighty gene 
Um, she's been pretty absent in Maddie's life and she kind of will leave for a long period of time and just be like, it's our culture. It's our thing. You know, we don't stay in one place too long. And then Maddie's dad, who's always been reserved and quiet and he has Parkinson's, um, and he's slowly like losing his ability to speak and to eat and, Maddie shares the responsibility with a full-time caretaker whose name is DeWoud. DeWoud? I'm not sure. Someone please correct us. We want to be respectful. We do. And he's described as like a seven foot tall, like giant of a man who's very simple. This giving Paul Bunyan. (laughs) Slay. Um, Then we've got Shu and Naya. It's Naya or Nia, I'm not sure. Um, So these are her, like, bestie girls. They're both, like, friends from school. Um, Shu is a lesbian, which we love. And it's interesting, too, her friendship with Maddie because Maddie's, like, pretty out of touch. She's pretty, like, behind developmentally. And Shu's, like, this, like, bad boss bitch, like, unafraid of her sexuality. She's very bold. And then we've got, I'm going to say Nia. Nia, they've known each other since elementary school. Um, She's in Utah getting her business degree. And heck yeah, she is. (laughs) She's out there with Renee. Um, And she's like Maddie's ride or die. Nia and she are both her like bestie girls. But like Nia is the one who's like she flies across the world to like be uh, by Maddie's side. So that's like her. But she kind of like when she... When Maddie talks about friends in the book, she kind of makes it sound like she doesn't really have any. Yeah. And so, like, every time she would reach out to the, these other girls, I was like, but they're there. It'll yeah. come. It'll yep. come together at the you end. You guys will see. You guys will see. Next, we've got Ben, who sucks. And <laughs> we don't know that he sucks at first. But he's rich, and he's a cheater. And then we've got Alex, who... Maddie meets online on like a Tinder, I think. Yeah. And she kind of like puts up this facade with him the whole time. And he's like a pretty nice guy. He's bisexual, which really freaked her out. Um, And she spent a lot of like time being concerned about it. And then we've got Sam who Maddie is introduced to him through Joe, her soon to be flatmate, (laughs) (laughs) roomie. And he was, like, her hookup partner. Yes. But he's, like, a nice guy, and he's, like, a hot artist. Yeah, and he's kind of, like, blase, blase. He's, like, this handsome black man, and Maddie doesn't know a lot of handsome black men. So she's just a little bit intrigued, but not, like, romantically. She's just, like, what is happening? Um, (laughs) Then we've got our flatmates, Joe and Cam, two white chicks who are innocent enough Um, disrespectfully, sometimes on accident. Uh, Joe is blonde. She works in charity somehow. Um, And Cam (laughs) is a teacher. The thing about these flatmates is we don't spend a lot of, I mean, she spends some time with them, but you'll see. We'll talk about it more. And then we've got my favorite character in the whole book. Yes. And that's Angelina, the corporate HR therapist and she's Ghanaian as well and she's like a grief expert and she helps Maddie really see some shit so I love Angelina therapy I love Angelina too because at my last job I had 
a person in HR who I had like a standing appointment with that ended up being sort of like counseling. And I still to this day, I'm like, gosh, I need her on retainer. I was like thinking of Angel, like Angelina was speaking and I was picturing, I'm not going to say this person's name for their own privacy, but I was picturing her. <laughs> this kind of like a mental picture. Yes. Help us girl. Help us girl. Okay. So let's do it. Let's give our own hot and funny spark that's mean as hot and funny as it can get listen we are gonna try we're gonna try readers but this was a tough this was a tough book i'm not gonna lie to you the way that the other reviews lied to us it was tough the a lot of the reviews were like light airy hilarious funny um girl power laugh much i didn't laugh a single time and (laughs) i'm laughing now like the whole dying dad in the background is like a really heavy presence. Like the whole yeah. book is about her dad. And yeah, if any of you girlies have health anxiety like me, um, this book is really going to take you for quite the ride. Yeah, I would say our main themes in this book, again, don't listen to Goodreads. It was lying to you. The main themes in this book are like grief, um, cultural depression. Uh, disparities, depression, um, family she's, drama she's like she's developmentally behind so she's trying to like navigate social situations i didn't laugh very much there was a lot of times where i was like grinding my teeth into dust okay all of that being said still listen to the summary because we, we want to tell you about it <laughs> we do there were parts i think i appreciated it more knowing it was her lived experience totally whereas like i wish i would have known that it, first I was just kind of annoyed. And you listened to the audiobook and you yeah. said it was just like sad, like yeah. sad third person. Yeah, and then her mom would talk and I would just get so mad. I was <laughs> I was like listening to it in the shower and I would get so mad I had to turn it off. Okay, we're gonna tell you about it now. So we're gonna freaking get into it. Okay. So like we said, um, Maddie's whole family is Ghanaian and her dad has Parkinson's and her mom is like never home. She lives in Ghana fully. And she comes home, like, maybe once a year, but they're still married. Um, and Maddie and her dad are in London. Right. And so mom's, like, across the world doing her own thing, always calling Maddie, asking for money, which is annoying because Maddie's like, I'm paying for your home and taking care of your husband. Um And Maddie's brother is also an adult. He's like sort of like this band groupie. And so he's not very reliable either. So it's really, it's all in Maddie to take care of her dad. Yeah. And so Maddie starts to talk about when her dad got Parkinson's and like started to show like some initial signs. So he was kind of confused and there becomes this running theme of like Maddie being anxious and Googling something, which I feel like is pretty relatable to everybody. Yeah. Um, so she's Googling like Parkinson's. Is it hereditary? Like, am I going to have Parkinson's? And she kind of throughout the book will use Google as like her pretend doctor. Oof. Yeah. We've all been there. Um, so Maddie, she's sort of talking to the reader. Like she like kind of breaks the, you know, fourth wall and she's talking to the reader. Um, she's like recalling things like she's like sort of telling her story and so one of the things she recalls in the beginning of the book is um 
like lying to her friends when she was younger about her family dynamic. Like her mom, like she mentioned something at school and then her, like obviously they called her mom about it and her mom like fussed at her really hard and was like, that's family, that's private. So she started kind of like being dishonest with her friends about it because it was like this big secret. But like her whole life, she cooked, she cleaned, she made her own lunch. She was like totally trusted as the adult in the family. And that's like what felt normal for her. So Maddie gets up and she's going to work and she tells her dad that she loves him on the way out and he answers and she's a little bit shook in the moment because she can recall like only twice ever that her dad has said, I love you. And later in the book, she recalls that like, what of the times he was drunk? So this is like a huge deal for her. Um, and so then Maddie like makes her way to work and she's talking about her friend Nia from elementary school and I like she doesn't really see her friend anymore but they're still pretty close and she's headed to work she's on like the bus and she starts googling what are the happiest professions which is obviously like a first big red flag that like she hates her job <laughs> and Um, Google tells her that the happiest profession is a teacher and as a former teacher, nope. (laughs) Yep. That's a hard no. As someone in tech who works with a lot of former teachers, that's a hard no. No. And so then we start, we start seeing a ton of super annoying texts from her mom asking for money and also being like, mommy, are you praying? Are you praying? And also give me more money. I need more money for Ghana. And so... This is the first of many times that her mom is kind of ignoring Maddie's, like, cries for help. Like, at one point, she's like, I'm feeling hopeless and I'm really unhappy. I I think I need to go see a doctor for various things. And her mom's like, "Mm, no, pray about it. Yeah. And she's like, if it's not better, like, you must be praying wrong. Yeah, you're doing it wrong. Try again. It's (laughs) it's your fault. Um, And also send me some money. Thanks. So it's pretty discouraging and disheartening right off the jump we are right already and so i think this is probably when i texted Lindsay and i was like is this gonna get is this gonna get better and, and i was like keep reading but no <laughs> listener we're only a few pages in <laughs> so maddie gets to work and um she's like a schedule organizer for this brat of a lady named Catherine who's like depressed and overwhelmed and like basically she has a full and busy schedule and maddie kind of sorts it out to make sure that she can make it to all of her meetings and the overwhelmed boss Catherine is like very depressed and maddie knows but she kind of hides it because i think she's like the only female in that role. And then Maddie kind of explains that she got the job on a diversity scholarship. So like the company was looking to diversify and be inclusive. And so she's one of like three colored people at the whole place. And I know she says like, she's for sure the only black woman that she sees on like a regular basis. Yeah. We definitely see that as a theme throughout the book, too, of her kind of being the only person of color in these incredibly white spaces. But we'll explore that a little bit more as we go on. So she ends up calling her brother James and she's like, hey, I need some help. Like, mom needs some money. I don't have a ton to spare. Like, keep in mind, listeners, she's living at home with her sick dad paying the mortgage, like working full time to buy them groceries and pay a caretaker. And like, she's overwhelmed. So she's like, James, like, I need your help. Like, you know, can you spare me? And he's like, no, sorry. Um, but I did hear that mom's coming back soon and 
she's seeing another guy. Did you know that mom's seeing another guy? And Maddie's like, no, no, there's no way. Like, I did see her texting this strange number, but I kind of tried to, like, block it out and mind my business. And then we're like, like, check another reason to not like mom. Right. Check a huge reason. And then, you know, you're like, okay, well, she's always gone and she's texting this number and, like, her kids don't like it. So. Exactly. We sort of really get a picture of mom. And so Maddie gets a call from her friend, uh, Shu, and she's a friend from school or a friend from university. And she's like, I found an apartment. You've got to move out. And Maddie's like, I can't move out, girl. Like, I can't. I don't want, you know, I think her both of her friends know about her dad, but not the severity Right. And like how high his needs are. So she's like, no, I'm just not ready to move out. And they have this whole moment where she's talking to her friend and she's like, okay, I love you. Bye. And her friend's like, bye. And Maddie's like, no, say it back. And Uh, everybody cringes. We all cringe. And she's like, I'm good. Bye. Um, And so later we were going to kind of jump ahead a little bit. A couple days later, Maddie's like coming home from church and her dad starts hallucinating and like talking to someone in the corner. And she's like, oh, gosh, like, something's really wrong. Like, he's really not well. Like, this is probably the end. In the back in the morning, he's, like, totally fine. Like, she's putting him down to bed. And then back in the morning, he's, like, totally fine. And she's like, okay, I'm going to compartmentalize and pretend that didn't happen. Right. So after this happens and Maddie's, like, really stressed out, I think she ended up, like, calling his doctor to double check. Yeah. Her mom texts her and she's like, Maddie, I'm coming home. You can move out. It's your time to be, like, your own person. You got this. Get it, girl. And so Maddie (laughs) gets back to work, and her boss has accepted all these, like, calendar invitations that don't meet up at the same time, and everybody's freaking out, and they're yelling at Maddie, and she's like, oh, no, (laughs) like, this is terrible. And so she basically has, like, this horrible day at work after getting this news that, like, hey, you're going to be able to move out. You're going to be independent. Yeah, it was like Maddie was out, like she had requested off of work for like her dad's doctor's appointment or something like that. And like everyone had approved it. And while she was gone, like everyone who works in corporate America, like I guess she like got a ton of like meeting invites and she just accepted every single one. They were all overlapping. And then somehow it was Maddie's (laughs) fault. Maddie's like, she can read. Like she didn't have to accept them. I'll call them in rescheduling. But everybody's like, no, Maddie, this is literally your fault and only you. You're the problem. So Maddie is able to go to like one of the theater shows that night and it was definitely pre-planned because she talks about how like the last couple she wasn't able to go and see. And so she watches the show and the intermission comes up and she's goes upstairs to look at like a costume expose or something from like Mm -hmm. a previous thing. And she finds a sexy rich guy (laughs) up there to banter and flirt with. And he gives her his number. And listener, we're pumped. We're like, go ahead, Maddie. Okay, grown up girly, doing big girly things. About uh, to move out. Yes. Getting a phone number. It's <laughs> happening. Slay, it's all happening. It's all coming out, Maddie. So we think. Um, so Maddie ends up meeting Joe and Cam, I believe. Um, And they're, like, looking for the roomie. And so they're, like, friends of a friend. Maddie's, like, hype. She's, like, I can finally do it. Mom's finally coming home. Someone's going to be there with dad. I've got a little tiny baby savings, and I'm going to use that on a deposit and move in with y'all. So she goes home, and she's so excited to tell her dad. 
And so she tells her dad and he is unresponsive. He just has nothing to say and he doesn't really register that she's talking to him. And she's like, and I'm slapped back to reality. Yeah. And so she tells her dad the next morning she gets up, she goes to work and everyone's being like really dodgy. And she goes to put her stuff on her desk and they're like, Maddie, actually, can you meet with us in the conference room? Which is like the universal, mm-hmm. oh shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, well, can I put my stuff down real quick? And they're like, Maddie, it won't take long. <laughs> yeah. Listener, she's fired. Um, she's fired. And it's because her boss is an idiot, 100%. But it's also like right. they're blaming it on like her not lining things up correctly for when she was on PTO. And now her boss's life is ruined. And now she's fired. And so what does our Maddie girl do? She Googles what to do when you've been fired. And Google says, email HR if you think something is wrong. And so that's what she does. And then she Bing gets a little click clacky. Yeah, she's click clacking. She's typing her email. And then, right, so Ben texts her and she freaks out. <laughs> and I don't think she answers for like a day or so because she like doesn't. <laughs> She, like, doesn't know what to say, and she's anxious, and she's just been fired, and she's getting an apartment, and her mom's coming home, and her dad is dying, and so there's a lot of, like... There's a lot of things happening. There's a lot going on. Yeah, and so when she gets home after being fired, there's, like, a random auntie there, and she's, like, taking care of Maddie's dad, and she's speaking to her dad in Twee, and she's, like, trimming his nails, and she looks at Maddie, and she says, Maddie, it's time you need to go live your own life, and Maddie's, like oh my God, like it is time. Like I do have to do this. And then mom comes home and everything is bad. (laughs) Everything is bad. Like from the moment the mom gets there, she's like yelling at the cab driver about like the price from the airport was too expensive and she's not paying it and it's robbery. Right. Because then she makes Maddie pay for the cab. Maddie has to unload all of her bags from the cab. Right. And you know, they start talking about money and this is like the one line that I thought was really funny. So the mom says something like, this is my house. And Maddie's like, actually it's dad's house. It's in dad's name. Like, you know, and the mom says, did I not bear his heavy children? (laughs) That was a funny moment, but then it's like, yeah, but that's when you stopped parenting. So, um, and so mom starts like totally disrespecting their routine. Maddie always feeds her dad at a certain time and a certain meal. And mom's like, well, I'm hungry now. So he's going to eat now too. And it's like controlling and annoying for someone who's like not part of the process at all. And she starts hyping on Maddie to like find a man. And Maddie's like, can't tell her shit about the spin guy. Like, Totally. I can't tell this woman anything. Um, and so anyone who knows if you're like, caring for if you're like a caretaker for someone who isn't well or if you're a parent or like any anyone who has more needs than your average able-bodied person routine is so important and it's one of those things that like makes that person feel safe and makes that person know what to expect and mom just comes home and she's like "Mm, fuck that i'm hungry and he'll eat whatever i make him and maddie's like can you not just be respectful for one second maddie doesn't actually have those communication skills though so she just pushes it down anyway Moving on from mom. So she gets an interview from a small publishing company. She immediately is excited and then comes down from it. She's like, oh my God, am I going to be the only black person again? Like, is that why they want to hire me? Is it because I'm qualified? And it's it's kind of just this sad perspective of like not just imposter syndrome, but that added layer of 
am I another diversity hire? Do they even care about me? And tiny spoiler, the interview goes great. She has a great time and she actually leaves the interview feeling pretty positive. She does. And so this all happens on the same day that she's moving out. So she's got the interview in the morning. She's got her stuff packed. She's going with her roommates and they're like, let's go, let's all go out and have like pizza to celebrate. And so Maddie's like, hell yeah, finally some girlfriends for me. Like she's really pumped. And she starts thinking about like, you know, she's been her dad's caretaker and sole like provider. So she really doesn't have a lot of like nice new clothes. And so she starts doing like the online shopping situation. And she starts to make this list of like the kind of girl she wants to be like a yes girl, like an it girl. And it's very sad. Tragic. Like, I, I thought it was a list that like an eighth grader would yeah. make to be like yeah. cool and edgy not like a 25 year old woman yeah um the list is drinks alcohol when offered says yes to social events wears new clothes cooks new food travels this is this is the one that got me tries weed or cigarettes at least once but doesn't get addicted like the language of it the whole thing just felt so naive yeah that's a good word um and then like on her list she's got like wears makeup goes on dates and here's the kicker isn't a virgin it's a weird list and it you know it's not i shouldn't say weird but it's just very sad and it's naive and it's when you think about someone who is 25 even if they don't have all of these things checked off they usually have kind of like the social awareness of some of them but it's obviously because she was like forced to be an a adult. mother yeah she was forced to be a mother very very young she didn't have time to learn about all of these other things while her peers were so anyway she goes out for drinks and pizza with the roomies and the girlies and they're all like joking and chatting and one of them tells a joke um that's like overtly sexual undertone someone's like oh you know cam obviously wants the meat lovers pizza like they're making like a sexual undertone joke and Maddie like does not get it and someone else is like because of all of the meats the sausage and she's like oh and she like makes a mental note like look up this joke later right she has this thing like it's her inner dialogue is like this must be about penises yeah <laughs> just like yeah. Maddie Maddie duh baby Maddie I'm so sorry this has happened to you um so yeah so the next day she actually gets offered the job and she's thrilled so she's learned a couple things about it so it's gonna be admin work just like at her last job and she's like i'm great at it i shouldn't have gotten fired so this should be a slam dunk um so she'll be doing like scheduling and coordinating meetings and like boring stuff but it's at a publishing company and so she's like oh so maybe i could be a little creative there um and this publishing company is mostly like cookbooks So we're thinking like recipes, chefs, like that kind of thing. Right. And so she's pumped. And to add to the hype, Ben has asked her out on a date. Or is it out on a date, in on a date, into a date? (laughs) He wants her to go to his house and he's going to cook for her. And he loves to cook. And she's thinking about her list, like cooks new food, tries new food, like goes on dates. Going to check another one off the box. But then she starts to like... Her anxiety kind of creeps in. Her totally valid anxiety. Totally. And Google's like, is a first date at a man's house normal? How to prepare to a first date? And she ends up telling her roommates and they're like, 
girl, he might be a serial killer. Girl, you might be dying. You might be about to die, sister. (laughs) And then we're all worried because, like, is this how it's going to get worse for Maddie before it gets better? Is she going to go to a serial killer's home? And it's, like, a cute gal pal moment, though, because, like, one Rumi is, like, oh, my God, you're going to die. And the other one is, like, shut up. You're, like, so negative. Um, like, it's going to be fine. It's going to be nice and cozy. Way less pressure than a restaurant. Like, he's going to cook. He sounds rich. da 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 And so most people in Maddie's situation would be like, mm, girl talk is so fun. But Maddie's been Googling all day. And then, like, now one person has an opinion and another person has an opinion. And she's starting to get overwhelmed with, like, all of the voices, including her own internal dialogue. And she's getting, like, overwhelmed and standoffish. And she's like, okay, help me get ready and then leave me the hell alone a yeah. little bit. So she picks out, like, a hot girl outfit. She's got on a short dress and a high boot. And his apartment is, like, a three-story building. It's, like, a big deal. He's got, like, a real kitchen. Yeah. They have some awkward small talk. They kiss. They eat dinner. I'm pretty sure he makes pasta. Yeah. And then she tells him about this idea she has for a book. So the book that Ben, uh, she's telling Ben about, she's like, we need a book that's like flavor combos. And he's like, that's literally what cookbooks are. And she's like, no, no, like, I want one where I could like, that there's like a, an index or like a glossary or something. And, you know, I can look at tomatoes and it takes me to the tomato chapter. And it's like, these are what flavors go best and like pull out the natural flavors. Like, why does mozzarella work with it? And she's, like, getting a little excited. Um, And later in their date, this was something I noticed as we were kind of working on the recap together. Later in their date, she, like, point blank asks him, are you single, Ben? And literally the words in the book say, without wavering, he says, I am. Are you? Foreshadowing. Foreshadowing. Spoiler (laughs) alert. (laughs) He's not. He's not. Okay. So... Maddie goes home. She's like, I lived. I did it. I went on a date. I ate some new food. She's feeling empowered. She's freaking pumped. And so she tells her mentor at her new job about the flavor pairings idea. And the boss was like, okay, I'll think about it. And then Maddie goes home and she's like, I'm going to do a little bit of digging. And she looks up her new publishing company's writers and it's like all average white guys. Of course. So Maddie's found this woman on Instagram. I think she's an Indian woman and she makes all these dishes, but she also like pulls in dishes from other cultures. And Maddie's like, I found the girl. Like, this is the girl I'm going to pitch. Like when I go back tomorrow to work. And she's like really excited about it. Her idea. Yeah. So at the company, she was told essentially like, these writers aren't coming to us with books. Like, we've got some writers, and we've got the ideas. And so once we have an idea, we pick someone to write it, and then we do the creative for it, X, Y, Z. So it's a little bit more like a formula than, like, writing a novel. And so she feels like, okay, I've got the concept. I looked up all of our writers, and they're all boring. But I found this chick on Instagram, and her pictures are super colorful and beautiful, and I've never heard of any of these dishes. Like, boom, boom, boom. I've got it. This is my girl. She's pumped. She's pumped. So Ben asks her on another date. and She's like, yes, I'm on fire. I'm killing it at life. This is it. This is it for me. Um, But the date's at his house again. And she's not too worried about it because she's already comfortable there. Um, He's cooking again. And she's like, 
oh my god, like, this guy can really cook. Later, they start aggressively making out. And then Ben fucking straight up asks her, Maddie, are you a virgin? And she says, hilariously, I think that's what the kids are calling it these days. <laughs> it's so out of touch. It's, 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 it's like what an eighth grader would say. It's, that's what the kids are calling it these days. <laughs> I when I said I didn't laugh at this book, that is the one moment that I laughed. I think that's what the kids are calling it these days. God bless her. Um, it's tough. So, Maddie, the date's over. She's feeling good yet again. She's back to work the next day. She sees that they're going with her idea for the book, but to nobody's surprise, like she's not getting any credit for it. And so she goes to her mentor and she's like, Hey, you know, I brought it up to you and she's like, yeah, but we need an author and we need to figure out like exactly which way we're going to go with this idea. And Maddie's like, I've got lots of ideas, you know, like I'll do it. I have, um, and Chris is like, "Mm, no. Yeah. So Chris essentially, so the mentor is Chris and that's the person that Maddie originally was like, what about flavor combos? Chris goes and pitches it to creative and then takes credit because she came up with the idea of flavor pairings. So she tells that to Maddie, and Maddie's like, that's hilarious. What if we do a pear on the cover? Get it? Flavor, pairings, and you can have like a pear and some chocolate. And Chris is like, nah, design usually handles that, but you know. But she, Maddie's like, but cho- not chocolate chips, because they look <laughs> like poop. <laughs> God bless. Yeah, literally. Um, so Chris is like, yeah, usually design handles that, but sure, I'll tell you them your idea, whatever. And Maddie's like, what if I go to the meeting? Like, I can take minutes for it. I'll take minutes for the creative meeting. And Chris shuts her down again. And she's like, listen, I can tell you want to be involved. Like, I get it. And Maddie's like, I would, I really want to be involved. And so Chris is like, here's a stack of unrelated admin work that you can do. Here's your involvement. And it's just like a bunch of more bullshit that she already does in her job. It has nothing to do with the book. And readers, they go with her idea for the cover, too. Because of course they do, because it's a great idea. And does she get credit? Absolutely not. No. So a few days later, the mentor Chris is like out of the office and the big boss is up top. And Maddie's like, all right, I think this is my time. I'm going to pitch it. And so Maddie runs up and she's like, I heard you're going with my idea for flavor pairings. And I have an idea and I want to run it by Chris, but she's not here. So big boss Penny's like, okay, well what's your idea? And Maddie pitches the chef she found on Instagram. And Penny's like, okay, sounds good. I'll look into it. Yeah. I'll I'll look at it. Sure. Maddie's like, yes, this is a triumph. I'm picturing Nicki Minaj. This is my moment. She's like leaving and she's like, I've got it. I'm on top of the world. And so what does she do when she's on top of the world? She texts Ben, the rich guy. And he's like, hey, what if, what if we have a third date? Like, let's hang out again. And so what does Maddie do but run to her best friend Google and types? Best friend Google. Does a third date mean sex? <laughs> it's, I it's, can't do it. It's just, it's so hard. Okay, I'll take this one. So then she starts getting in her head, right? And she's like, I've never had the birds and the bees talk. Like, should I, would it be weird if I asked my roommate how to do sex? Like, should I watch porn? If I do, will I, like, burst into flames next time I go into church? And then she's like, this is too humiliating to ask my roommate, so I'll just ask Google again. And so she Googles how to lose your virginity. Lord above. 
I know it's rough. And so Maddie gets to her third date. They're at the movies and she's looking over and, you know, like Ben is stunning. Like he's got a chiseled jaw and his long eyelashes. And then Maddie tells the reader, (laughs) this is why she's an eighth grader. She tells the reader like, Basically, do you remember OG Lizzie McGuire and how she had a <laughs> she had a little cartoon subconscious? And Maddie's like, I have that too, reader. I've got a mini me. She's got braids. She's got an attitude, and like, that's my subconscious. She's like, and that's I'm like, it. girly, we're halfway through the book, and you're telling me you've got a tiny Lizzie. McGuire. <laughs> Wait, I actually have a funny story. Can I tell you a funny story about that? Please do. It, it's not about mommy. Okay. So, like six months ago, a girly pop friend of mine at work was like, I've got a crazy idea. We're so stressed. Let's go to a sound bath meditation. And I was like, sounds fake, but I would love to do anything with you because you're so cool. So let's do it. <laughs> so in the good old small town of Lafayette, Louisiana, we pull up to this like tiny yoga studio that's like low ceilings like wet air conditioner like creaky floors it's the least chill place i've ever been in my life the lady who like gonna have to look up where it is the lady who like was not running the sound bath thing like there was like an extra person (laughs) there's like an extra like there was like a speaker doing the sound bath and the place it was like the person who was running it was being like oh, that's the wrong pillow. Like, no, you don't need that blanket. You need a different blanket. Like, she was, like, kind of feeling territorial, I could tell. But anyway, so we start this sound bath meditation. And I've never done anything like it. I'm not a meditator. I've got too much anxiety. First off, let me just say it was the most amazing experience. It was so cool. I was totally there. I felt like I was on acid. I don't do drugs. I don't know if that's how acid feels. But I was like, <laughs> how did they get acid into my system? Because I was in another, I was on another dimension. Um, but there was one moment. <laughs> there was one moment where, and I'm laughing now. It wasn't funny in the moment because I'm telling you, like, I was transported to another reality. Okay. Really present. I was very present in that meditation. And she says, like, in her beautiful, soothing voice, she's like, you look down at your arm and it's a cartoon arm. And you look down at your feet and you are now in a cartoon body and you're you're walking up the mountain. And she continues like her gorgeous scenery. And this is a whole it's probably like an hour and a half it was an amazing class every single person like we went with a little group and we were all leaving like that was amazing afterwards one of my friends is like let me ask you something did you guys picture lizzie mcguire too and we were like yes i was lizzie mcguire she's got pink crop top jeans on platform i was picturing picturing the platform flip-flops and i was just like how I was like, we were all in a shared delusion. I wonder if everyone in that class was Lizzie McGuire walking up a hill. It was such a moment that I was like, I wasn't even questioning the vision I was having. I was like, yep, this is my Lizzie McGuire arm. Those are my Lizzie McGuire capris platform sandals. <laughs> and I was walking up that hill and I was leaving all my worries at the top. And then I was going back home lighter. Anyway, that's my little story about um, also having a Lizzie McGuire just for a moment, just for one just gorgeous afternoon. Not, not in general, but just that one time at the sound bath. Yeah. So thank you so much, Chelsea, for that amazing Lizzie McGuire moment. Okay. We're back to it. <laughs> okay. 
They're back to it. She's watching the movie and she's like, her and her Lizzie McGuire conscious are like, we're going to have sex with Ben tonight. Um, so awkward. It's terrible. They're having a conversation together, her and her mini subconscious. Like in this book, she has conversations with that mini person, but now you have to picture like a brown one with waist length twists and like attitude but there's still like eighth grade level maturity having a conversation like we're gonna have sex with ben and then but then there's this horrible like sex scene where she doesn't know what she's doing and like it's her sub it's her like running thought train and she's like i don't like this this hurts i'm uncomfortable Mm -hmm. like he's it's painful crushing me she can't breathe Right. And so he finishes. She obviously doesn't. And she gets up and goes to the bathroom and Googles, like, can I get pregnant if I'm on the pill? Um, Which, honestly, I don't fault her for that one. (laughs) No. Because, you know, that's probably one of the most Googled things. But it's tragic because she's just like, what if she's still nervous in that awful, horrible, painful moment? She's still like, now what if I'm pregnant this minute? Ugh. So the next morning, Ben is, like, on the phone. She overhears him talking about this fancy-schmancy party at his office. And he's like, no, I'm not going to, like, subject you to it. And she's like, I want to go. It sounds fun. And he says something fucking weird, like, on your own head, be it. And I was just like, that's how I know I fucking hated this guy, aside from the awkward sex. But then there's, like, a moment where he's like, I've got a prize for you before you leave. And he pulls out a box. really weird. So he pulls out a box and there's fucking like macarons in it. And she's like, it's eight o'clock in the morning. Like, I'm all set. And he's like, eat one. And she's like, I don't really want one right now. And he's like, he's like, eat one. one. I want you to eat the pink one. As she's like going to grab a different one. He's like, eat the pink one. And she's like, in her mind, she's like, no, the new Maddie is the kind of person that eats the macaron in the morning. So she eats the first bite and it's like too tart and he's like watching her mouth and she like gets a weird feeling and then so it's like silent and so then she eats the other bite and it's like dry and he's still watching her and she's like flashes back to thinking he's a serial killer and then he's like oh it just you know it's sweet and it made me think about you and she's like oh no no he's nice he's nice i was like no babe he's a psycho yeah that was fucking weird it's it was real weird so maddie goes home and her flatmates are like, we're going to a party. And Maddie's like, I don't know. I don't think I can go. Like, it's my dad's birthday tomorrow. And I've got to make a cake for him. And they're like, no, come on. It's going to be fun. Like, aren't you new, fun, hot girl? And she's like, okay. So she dresses up in her new clothes. She's drinking. She's dancing. She has a weed brownie, but she didn't know. <laughs> um, and she had like a lot of brownie. And so she's having this moment where she's kind of like walking around aimlessly in this bar and she feels like carefree and happy. And she's like telling stories about things that were funny and she's having like memories that she didn't remember about like her dad. And like, it's a little bit nostalgic and sweet. And so the next morning she wakes up and her phone is ringing and she's like, I'm going to deal with it later. She goes back to sleep. And she's woken up again by like a ton of phone calls and mixed texts. And she sees what time it is. And her mom is calling her and she's like, oh my God, I'm late to my dad's birthday. So she answers the phone for her mom and she's like, mom, I'm on my way. I'm coming right now. And her mom's like, no, your dad is dead. And 
Maddie's kind of like stops in her tracks and her she's mom. Like, no, I just saw him. He's in his chair. Right. And her mom's like, no, he was by himself and he had like some vomit on his shirt and he's dead now. Yeah. So the mom is like, Renee is very chill and even toned, but in the book, the mom is not like she's scream crying. She's screaming at, um, Maddie, she's calling her mom and she's like, I came home. I swear I was only gone for 10 minutes. I was in so Maddie's like, you weren't even with him when he died. And she was like, no, his caretaker found him and he had vomit on his shirt and he was, he was dead. He's dead, Maddie. He's dead. And it, and Maddie's like, he was alone. And it's just this heavy, awful moment. And she was like, if I wouldn't have gone out, if I would have woken up, if I wouldn't have had weed brownies, like he wouldn't have been alone. It's just crushing. It's so heartbreaking. It's really sad. And Maddie you know, as we know, doesn't have a lot of emotional maturity. Right. Not that this situation would warrant literally any. um, Of course. Of course. But she processes for about a second and then she runs to her roommates and she's like, my dad died and I wasn't there because you made me stay out with you. And like, obviously she's just got like misdirected anger and the friends are, the, the flatmates are kind of pissed. Well, yeah, because she comes out and she's like, so here, like, picture the scene. Like, she, like, runs into them and they're like, hey, you need some help with that cake that you were going to work on? And Maddie loses her fucking mind. And she's like, it's y'all's fault I wasn't there to see my dad this morning. He was alive an hour ago and I wasn't there because you pressured me to go out and this is all your fault. And her roommates are like, look, I'm really sorry that that happened. Like, that's horrible, but I would never make you do something you weren't comfortable with. Like, you could have left at any time. You were completely free. Like, I'm so sorry this happened, but, like, please don't say that to us. And she was like, literally, fuck all of you. Yeah. And then they bounce. They, like, leave because they were going on a trip together. And Maddie's, like, doesn't know what to do with all of her emotions, of course. No. But she is kind of relieved that they're leaving. Yeah. 100%. And she's, like, having this internal dialogue with herself, though. And she's like, I shouldn't have done that. I'm so-. And then now she's thinking about that and the grief. And so when Ben comes over, Ben texts her and he's like, hey, like, I know we weren't planning on seeing each other, but I had a rough day at work. Can I come over? And she's like, yes. I'd love to have more uncomfortable sex. Right. She's like, I could really use a distraction. Like, maybe this will. Like, help in some way. Yeah. Maybe this will fill a void. Absolutely no pun intended. I'm so sorry. Ugh, gross. And, you know, don't worry. Maddie does not have fun or enjoy herself at all. And it's just more of Ben essentially having sex with Maddie's body, where she sort of is consenting. But, reader, it's very descriptive. Yeah. So the next morning, she goes to work and she tells them about losing her father. And Chris, her her bosses and her manager are, like, super supportive. They're like, go leave as much time as you want. Like... This is, you know, this is a big deal. Like, take the time. Please take the time. Yeah, so Maddie takes a couple of days off. Like, she takes several weeks off. But there's this one moment that I actually thought was, like, so beautiful in the book where she's, like, at her apartment. She's alone and it's quiet. She's looking out the window. And I'm going to read this part because I don't want to say it wrong. She's looking out the window and she's just talking to this guy and she says, what an ordinary day. The least you could do is rain. I search for a cloud in the sky, but I don't find a single white wisp. How thoughtless. Oh, God, the grief. Yeah, I remember that line, too. Oh, it was gorgeous and tragic, but it was just like, 
I feel like we've, hopefully not everyone in the world, but I know I've had those moments where I'm looking outside and I'm like, how could it just be a normal day? Right. You know? The waves of grief. So, um, Nia finds out, Maddie's friend Nia finds out about her dad and she drops everything and flies over there to be with her. She brings her food. They watch movies. They're just kind of spending that like really important time together. And she takes her on walks. She's there like before she goes out and about after she brings books. It's really, you know, I mean, hopefully you don't know, but going through something really awful and having like your friend be there for like the horrible mundane parts of life that still go on. Yep. Is super important. Yeah. And it was this moment where like, I don't know, I fell in love with Nia because I was like, Nia's not trying to talk to her about it. She's not trying to be like, are you okay? Maybe you should shower. She's just like, she's got movies on deck. She's got homemade food in containers. She's got, take. she's ordering takeout. She's making sure Maddie eats. Like, and then they're just existing in this like quiet space together. And it's like, Maddie didn't need to be alone. She did need her roommates to be gone. She just needed someone silently supporting her. And that's that moment that we were talking about in the beginning where she kind of, like, at first kind of really good friends she kind of portrays it like she doesn't have any gal pals but like nia flies from school in utah in america to london and just drops everything for weeks to be with her right so by the time nia needs to go back shoe maddie's other friend comes and she stays with her for a while and she brings wine and flowers and chocolate and more wine and we love her yeah, we love um, it. They're they're like doing shifts essentially, which is like, tell me that's not the best gal pals in the world. It's like Nia's yeah. got to get back to life. She's like, I'm in. Tag me in, coach. Yeah. And so mom keeps texting Maddie throughout the whole time. Of course, not being supportive. She's like being super overbearing. She's like, who are you with? Nia? Is she Asian? You shouldn't have friends that your mom doesn't know. I need her number, and I need to pray to God that she has the right intentions. And Maddie's like, my fucking dad just died. I'm not yeah. giving you Nia's phone number. And so after a couple of weeks, like, both of her friends have left, and she's just trying to keep going. She's sleeping in. She's barely eating anything other than, like, cereal, and she's watching TV. She's not replying to texts. And then she gets, like, a ping on her phone, and it's, like, her calendar, and it's a reminder about the boss's party, and it's tonight. And she's like, oh, yeah, like, this thing, this, like, fancy event with Ben, like, this is just the thing to, like, get me out of the apartment. Perfect. Right. So Maddie goes, she gets ready, and she, like, shows up without mentioning anything to Ben. Like, she did tell him that they were going to go together. Like, she originally agreed to it, but after her dad died, she didn't follow up, obviously. Right. And so they just didn't talk. So she gets ready, she goes to the event, and she sees Ben is, like, really close with this, like, hot white lady. Mm -hmm. And... Ben immediately, like, kind of, like, scoots the lady out of the way and, like, runs towards Maddie. And he's like, I can't believe you're here. Like, you know, what are you doing here? And Maddie's like, you know, I, you know I'm going through a lot, but I just wanted to be here for you. Right. Um, and then Ben is, like, ushered to the front, like, to the stage to go and give a speech. And the girl comes up to Maddie and she's like, who are you? And Maddie's like, oh, I'm Ben's girlfriend. The girl's like, and no, I'm Ben's girlfriend. Yeah, and there's some, like, really weird competitive conversation. That girl, I think her name is, like, Sophie or Sophia. And Maddie learns that, like, Ben's been taking her out to dinner. He took her to, like, 
meet his parents and like like he had sex with like Sophie one night and Maddie or like Sophie one morning and like Maddie later that night and the other girl's like oh good you're just fucking him and Maddie's like no no we went to the movies once and the girl's like oh god you poor thing sorry babes I don't share and so Maddie like like leaves like and like there was one moment where it's like she's running out the door and the fucking hostess or like whoever like checked her in is like Miss Wright, Miss Wright, is everything okay? And she's like, someone remembered my name and saw me there. And it yeah. was just like, just a stab in the heart. Right. It was very gutting. And to like be like the next thing that happens after her dad dies is like awful and terrible. And you're like, as the reader, like what, what could possibly happen to this poor girl? Yeah. Surely yes. it doesn't go any worse um, so the next day, like, she goes home, cries herself to sleep for multiple reasons, and she texts the girlies, and she's like, I'm fine, and the girlies come over, because of course they do. They're like, we never yeah. liked him. Look at his fucking Instagram, girl. Sophie's all over it, and they tell her, like, she's got big lips, she's got wide hips, and they're like, Maddie, Ben's like a certain type of man, and she's like, what do you mean he's nice? And so they start to explain to her, like, some men like to sleep with black women or they like to sleep with Asian women. But explaining that fetish to, like, their friends or family, it's too much of a hassle. So that's, like, their private person. And then they have a public person. And Maddie's like, I I didn't think he was racist. He was, like, nice. And they're like, Maddie, this is a version of racism is being, like, fetishized. Like, he doesn't think he's racist because he is sleeping with you. But, like, but you're all the private parts. You get the private parts and he gets the public parts. So it's like his her friends are being like, this is racism. And it kind right. of teaches the reader a little bit of, like, I don't know, maybe Renee and I are both white. So people who don't experience racism a lot may not have an experience like this of, like, no, that's also a version of racism. Yeah. the I, I think once, like, the friends mentioned it, I was, like, heated and pissed off and annoyed but yeah. like I wouldn't have thought like at first when the girl was like I met his parents I was like oh she probably like he probably just liked her more like that's why yeah like she met his parents and not Maddie and then I was like you know what that's not it yeah that ain't so, it so Maddie um the next day she has a really bad panic attack in the morning and like almost passes out yeah she kind of like I think she's got like a little bit of her memory that she can't quite recall but she like is saying her symptoms out loud as they happen her roommates come back from their trip I think they went to Italy Mm -hmm. and Maddie apologizes which is great because good good girl that's awkward um and things don't go back to how they were before but they kind of ignore each other and everyone feels a little bit better like it's not as awkward as it was yeah and I think like as the like listeners and like readers were like please say you're sorry like those people were being friends to you like they understand that you're going through a lot of grief and I feel like anyone in that situation who's on the receiving end of that like something like that happened to me once where a girlfriend of mine lost someone very close to her and I hadn't talked to her in a while and I like checked in on her and she bit my fucking head off but at the same time I was like I know that this is just a place for the grief to land but still it hurt it still hurts a little bit. Uh, but anyway, so we move on from that situation. And her mom keeps texting her, being the absolute fucking worst. Like, 
worse worse than before. And mom's like, how much money do you have saved and how much of it do you plan on using for your dad's burial? Because it's going to be expensive. Yeah. And then she calls her and she's like, hey, you need to come with me to the funeral home. Maddie's like, mom, I thought you were handling that. Like you were his wife. And mom's like, no, they want the person who's going to be paying for the deposit to do the paperwork. Meanwhile, Maddie has not like agreed to pay for anything. She doesn't know how much anything is going to cost. Like mom's just like, no, get here. You're paying for it. Yeah. So Maddie, they're there. She's got this grief and anxiety and the clerk is doing the paperwork and they're asking all these questions. And Maddie just kind of explodes. Like she gets up. She starts screaming and she's like, get my brother to help you finish the rest. It'll be the first thing either one of you does to help dad in months. And it's already after he's died. That's just your style. And she storms out. Slay Maddie. Fuck yeah. She's pissed. So Maddie ends up having to totally empty her savings account to pay for the other half of her dad's funeral. Mom doesn't pay anything. Brother doesn't pay anything. Some other family members like throw a couple dollars here and there but it's expensive it's expensive and that's like an extra weight on top of her too like there's the grief there's the roommate situation there's the breakup with ben there's trying to exist in society as someone who's like mature not not very um socially mature and so she goes home and she's just like money like how like my savings is empty i have no nest egg i have no faberge egg that's a throwback um and then so she hears a knock on the door and she's like not really she's like alone and she's not expecting anyone and she's like in her own place so she like shouts who's there like it's a sitcom um and then she like realizes her mistake and then some hot guy says like oh like it's sam and then she looks out the peephole and it's her roommate's ex that like artist guy and she's like oh yeah come in like you can wait like she's not home and she's on her way home and they start talking and he's like nice and unassuming yeah. and he's like actually black and hot and she's like enjoying herself and they're like kind of talking a little bit about their parents expectations and then the roommate gets back and she's like all right see you later like no big deal i was like right. maddie did you just have a regular conversation with a man without googling it right i thought the same thing so maybe, <laughs> maybe it's all part of the situation like yeah. when it's going right you don't have to panic google right so maddie and her mom go to see her dad's body at like it's not the funeral. I guess it's, like, the last time they're going to see it before, like, the showing or whatever. Yeah, it's, like, a visitation. Yeah, and so she's got this, like, huge cathartic release, and she's crying, and her best friend knew that it was today, and so she booked a reservation for lunch, and so she knew that, like, after Maddie saw her dad, she'd have, like, a break, and she'd get out, and she'd eat something, and they start talking about, like, online dating and so Maddie starts like making a profile and I'm pretty sure she like Googled like what to put in my online yeah, profile. She did. It's, it's very sad, but it's she so sad. talks she she talks to this guy named Alex and he's super nice and he's bisexual and she's got like this weird thing about it where like she can't stop overthinking that like yeah. well, what if he like loves somebody else like girly you haven't even met him yet <laughs> yeah and i do think that this was a really great part for her to include in this book like this isn't so far this book i'm gonna take a little side tangent here this book hasn't been on the like black history month 
like lists or like greatest books about racism lists or anything like that. But this book is like chock full of examples of like ways that like queer people and black people, Asian people all experience the microaggressions and like different types of discrimination. And Jessica George tells us like this is sort of like a diary for her. Like she kind of took her diary and fictionalized it a little bit. And it's almost like she's admitting she had these feelings of like, like she wasn't able to trust Alex because of his sexuality. Like it was like, that was a big like red flag for her instead of it. Like instead of her just accepting someone different, it wasn't just that she didn't understand. It was like, no, this is something wrong with him. And so as the readers, we like experience her anxiety about it, her Googling about it. And all the while, Alex is being like perfectly nice. He's not like hitting on men in front of her. Like he's just existing, you know? Right. And she she starts off with like a smaller lie. Um well, I don't know. She lies about, like, her dad being alive. Yeah. So, like, that's yeah. actually a pretty big lie. But she kind of, like, remembers overhearing conversations and pretends yeah. that that's her life. So she's like, oh, we had a barbecue last night. All my friends, like, my roommates are family friends and we go out. And, yeah, and all of our dads you know, are friends and, like, our dads grew up together and now we, like, are all family friends. And she's, like, making up, like, dinners. and make, like As she's going, it's really – it's hard to read. Yeah, it's really tough. And she's like, I have so many gal pals in my life. Like, I love my roommates. Everything is good. And so it's like, people lie on first dates. People are nervous and they, like, say something that they don't mean or whatever. But it's almost like this awkward moment for the reader where you're like, she's losing it. Yeah, and, like, is she going to come back from it? Right. Like, she's, she's, there's so much unprocessed grief and trauma in her life that, like, this could go one of two ways. She could get help and get better, or she can completely regress, and, like, now she's too far to come back. But anyway. Right. So, in her, her whole life at this point, it's been, like, a week or so. She's back at work, and, like, Penny, the big boss, noticed that, like, Maddie's coming in very early. She's leaving really late, and the boss goes up to her, and she's like, hey, Maddie, I just wanted you to know that... We have a counselor here, and I signed you up, and she's black, and she deals with grief. Like, she's a grief counselor, and she's here right now, and you need to go right now. Yeah, and so the way that she – I mean, the boss, Penny, is actually, like, handling it very professionally. And, again, I come from a very corporate environment, like a very corporate world. And she's like, you know, we really care about your future here at the company, but we do care about you as a person and, like – you know, that those are some pretty unhealthy coping tactics. Like the janitor saw you leave at like 9 or 10 p.m. the other night. Um, so I've gone ahead and set you up every Friday at 3. I've set you up a session. It's a recurring session. The company pays for it. It's at work. You don't have to tell anybody where you're going. You don't have to put it on your calendar. You don't have to do anything like that. But I do want you to just pop in there and meet her right now. And Maddie, Angel, thinks, I can't tell mom about this. Unless God works in HR, mom's going to be pissed. Yeah, poor baby. So Maddie is like, okay. So she goes in the door and she opens it and she's like, hey, I'm Maddie. See you on Friday. And the woman is like, oh, no, no. She's like, hey, come back. Come back. She's like, you're here now. So let's let's get started. And so they kind of have their first like conversation or their session. And, you know, Maddie is frustrated like right off the get-go because she wants a solution. And as all 
current and former therapy girls know <laughs> you're not getting a solution yeah she's like so what's the answer yeah there's this one moment in the beginning where she says something like i just wish everyone could ask me how i was doing at once and i could answer just with one answer and just be done with all of the questions and it was like such a relatable moment like in the workplace in your personal life whether it's grief or a pregnancy or you know anything that big that you're going through in your life it's like not only do you have to experience but every like well-wisher well-meaning person or friend or loved one or colleague is like what if i made you talk about it a hundred times just because i mean well and so they start to talk about mame her name and Maddie is like, well, it's Ghanaian. And Angelina is like, oh, I know. Like, I know what it means. Like, we come from a similar background. And so they start talking about the word and, like, its meaning is, like, mother before your time and what it's done for her. And Maddie's like, it made me grow up, like, before I was ready. And I don't like the word. And I don't want to be called that. And, like, she's she's yeah. heated in this moment. And it's like and our so, first breakthrough was like the first conversation. You could just tell how badly she needed to just fucking say that out loud. It was like, I don't like it. It made me grow up too soon. And now everything is bad. Like that's a big right. trigger for her. And so she's on like the top of this like very like chaotic and unstable moment where she's like, yeah. I hate this. I don't like this name. I don't like what I've been called. And she's like headed home. She's on her way home and she passes a coffee shop. And through the window, she sees her mom holding hands with a man, which she obviously kind of realizes in the moment that, like, it's the man her mom is, like, with, like, her mom's boyfriend or whatever. And she and her mom, like, lock eyes, and Maddie immediately bolts and runs home. Yeah, and she sees that her mom is, like, crying, and the guy is, like, stroking her hand and being, like, very gentle with her. It's not just that her mom's, like, having dinner with a colleague like they're holding hands and she's like weeping and maddie's like i want to make sure this bitch sees me and i was like slay bitch um so she goes home she like just like for some reason she just like goes immediately back to like her childhood home and her brother walks in and was like what's up and she tells them what she saw and then mom walks in and maddie's like walk up in the club fuck everybody (laughs) (laughs) so her mom walks in and Maddie screams, here she is, God's number one spokesperson. <laughs> Adultery, top ten, coming in right under murder. Like, she's, she's, she's fucking, throwing it out. She's, she's been pissed. waiting her whole life for this moment. Everything is pinned up. She's like, and her mom's like, Mame, calm down. And she's like, don't fucking don't call, call me, me Mame. James, fuck off. No one takes care of me. You all would be nothing without me. I was the daughter. I was not the mother. You were the mother. My name is Maddie. And she leaves. She fucking bounces. And at this point, she's on, like, a total high. Yes. And she's like, I feel like a million bucks. I'm that bitch. This <laughs> she's like, I had Maddie. therapy. I told them I've to been, fuck off. I've been yes. waiting to, like, break out of the mold. She falls asleep, and she wakes up feeling like shit. Of course. Anybody who's ever experienced something like that where you say something that you've been wanting to say, and you tell them to fuck off, and you're like, yes, your adrenaline is, like, you're – invincible and the next morning you have the most insane regret and like emotional hangover and it's just it's the worst and so she she goes back to work and she's like on edge all day and matt and so when um alex texts maddie 
she's like, yes, I just, I need to do anything. I need to like get out of my own skin, get out of my own head. And she's like, maybe I'll tell him the truth. Um, they're like going for a walk and she's like, "Mm, maybe not. Maybe instead I won't. Um, so instead they like go back to his flat and like halfway through the movie he puts on, he's like kind of putting the moves on and she knows where it's headed. And she thinks to herself, I like him and sex will make up for all the lies I've told him. And the reader then just feels horrible. Like the weight, even just saying that out loud, the weight just on my chest just increased by 10 pounds. So he like, he's going for it. And like, I'm pretty sure at this point he's inside her and he says something like, is this okay? And she says like, I nodded, but he can't read my mind. Yeah, and it's sad, and it's painful, and it's gross, and he keeps, like, checking on her, and she keeps, like, verbally consenting, but it's awkward, and afterwards, he's, like, looking at her, and he's, like, there's something wrong, like, what are you not telling me? And she's, like, "Mm, I don't like sex, and he's, like, I'm gonna be honest with you, like, sex is important to me, that's a deal breaker, and so she leaves, and she's, like, well, at least he was honest, since I fucking wasn't a single time, (laughs) and, like, this whole time, I was just a little bit, like, justice for Alex, like, He's sitting there like, yeah. are you having fun? Like, do you like this? And she's like, yes, yes, please go on. Eyes to God. And we're like, <laughs> say no, bitch. Like, you haven't told – I'm like, you haven't told him a single – not that it's – of course, it's not her fault. She doesn't know how to communicate. She's going through a ton of horrible things. But it's like Alex was kind of giving her a chance to, like, opt out. And she was like, yeah. no, I owe you this. And women yeah. everywhere died a little bit inside. So Alex is – gone um friday rolls around it's time for therapy we're back in it it's a session for the reader it's a session for maddie it's everyone's getting their moment and maddie comes in and starts like asking a lot of questions instead of like being on the receiving end of questions and she keeps looking at the clock and she's like come on come on like time must go faster and maddie is like i don't like in her head she's like I don't like to say I don't want to give up my information like it's supposed to be private that's what my mom always told me and she starts to have like two breakthroughs at the same time almost in this therapy session where Maddie is an introvert because it's forced on her not because she enjoys her own company but because like nobody else was there yeah and she's like she's still feeling embarrassed and she's still hearing her mom in the back of her mind and her mom is saying it's private it's private and so she kind of like tries to talk to angelina louder than her internal dialogue and then her mom's voice and so then she kind of mentions that she says i love you after she talks to everybody on the phone and she's always waiting to hear it back and then that cues another breakthrough where she's like maybe i just want people to like tell me they love me first and also i think i'm depressed yeah and Angelina is like, oh, no, you you are for You're sure depressed. You are 100% depressed, babes. And she's starting to be like, oh, no, like, I have it so much better than so many people in the world. And other people have it worse than me. And a lot of people who experience depression, I know I've experienced the same thing. Like, what are you depressed about? Like, your life is so good. Which is just another, like, very real moment on Jessica George's part of, like, that's just, yeah. like, such a relatable moment. Um, it obviously negates nothing. Um, that other people have it worse or better experiences are valid and then she passes out yeah so she goes like totally white and her mom comes to pick her up and they have this major breakthrough in the moment about how love and prayer like 
don't fix somebody. And her mom's like, well, maybe you're not doing it right. And she's like, no, like, you know, I've done my part. And they're talking about love. And Maddie's mom shares that, like, she took care of her dad until he died. And, like, she's, like, the OG mommy. And it kind of gives you, like, a window into, like, how sad her life probably also was. Yeah. Um, Generational trauma. Right. And Maddie is going to, with this therapy, she's going to be a cycle breaker. Yes, Um, queen. But her mom also said, you know, Maddie's like, you know, your relationship was always kind of weird with dad. Like, what's up with that? And her mom shares that, like, it was an arranged marriage. Like, they were picked out for each other. And they tried really hard to love each other. But, like, there was no fire. There's no, like, romance there. Right. And so, cut forward. We're at the funeral. We're at dad's funeral. And Maddie is crying at the corner. Like, mom's been pressuring her to write the eulogy. She writes a eulogy, of course, on top of everything else. And she's crying. Like, she's in the corner. Um, and her And they're like, th- go cry over there. <laughs> You're too close by- to the coffin. Can you not cry right there? Like, her family is being insufferable to her. Like, there's an awful moment where, like, she's talking with an to an aunt she like greets an aunt there and there's like a line of people and they're coming up to like pay their respects to the family and she like says thank you to the aunt and the aunt starts to like only speak to her in twee and she's like i'd prefer to like speak english like i'm not fluent in twee and she's like that's a disgrace you're gonna sit here until you finish this conversation with me in twee and it's like like she's bare like her dad's deceased body is six feet away like can we let her experience grief but no they can't So they get through the funeral and she has this moment where her brother says like, like, I'm sorry. And I love you. And like, I should have been more. I should have been there. And then, you know, Maddie tells her dad that she loves her. She tells her mom about the therapist. And she kind of has this moment where she like talks to her dad in her head afterwards. And like, has this like relieving moment where she feels like when she's talking to him like he kind of answers back versus like the still old dying father with parkinson's that was like a more clear memory for her yeah and so it's like this moment of not necessarily closure but it's like this moment of relief she starts to feel after the funeral where she can start like recovering and so she she meets with Angelina again after the funeral and she's like, I think actually I am loved and I do have people in my life that care about me. And now I can kind of appreciate Mame, but I'm like not going to call my daughter that. Yeah. Cycle <laughs> but, breaker. But cycle breaker icon. So she has this breakthrough moment and then she goes back home and she ends up like co-hosting this party for her roommate Joe and it goes really well and she ends up talking outside again with Sam who is Joe's like ex fuck buddy and he's like I'm really nervous I have this big meeting to go to and Maddie's like yeah I just you know I've been working at this publishing company and it's small and like here are all like the microaggressions that I've faced and being like treated like a second class person and they start to really bond and Maddie gets to work the next day and they're like Maddie you know we're gonna give you some credit for your idea and we want you to sit in this important meeting that we have yes guess who's there 
It's Sam's meeting. It's Sam's meeting. It's Sam's meeting. Okay, I want to rewind just a little bit. So this party, I don't want to glaze over it because it was a big move for Maddie, right? So she had this like explosive fallout with her roomies. Then she apologized and everybody's tiptoeing around each other. And she's like, okay, this can kind of repair my relationship with them if I like try to like do the surprise party and like make it really nice and like she kind of hears them talk about her a little bit but she's like no like do it go out there be a normal girl be new maddie and then still like in that like sort of like makeup i'm gonna make amends she's like sam i'm like loving this conversation we're having (laughs) i was like maddie get it right anyway okay we're back to work and they're at sam's meeting and like after the meeting maddie like is like sam like why didn't you tell me you were coming here to like my publishing company and he was like, like well, I don't want to mix business and pleasure. <laughs> I know. And he was like, it was almost like he was like, I knew I was coming here, but I didn't want you to like change your story about what you're experiencing because you wanted to win my bid. And she was like, I probably would have done that because yeah. I wanted to win your bid. Um, He's like, hey, let's go out. And she's like, I got to check with Joe. And so she goes to talk to Joe and Joe is like, she's like, hey, Joe, like, sorry again. I hope you liked your party. And Joe's like, are you coming to talk to me about Sam? Yeah, I saw you guys talking. It's fine. Like, y'all make way more sense than I do anyway. And she's like, are you sure? And Joe's like, yeah, I, like, he's always looked at you like that. And that's like, it's pretty obvious that, like, what am I going to do with him? And she's like, yay, let's go out. Yeah. So she's on She's finally, we're getting, we're getting W's from Maddie. Yeah, W on W. These are real W's. And her mom calls her and she's like, you have to come right now. Like the collector's here, which I don't, I, it's like the same person who would like read a will to you, but the Mm -hmm. way that they like phrase it kind of sounds like a debt collector. And she's like, (laughs) Maddie, you have got to hurry up and get over here. Like the collector's here. And Maddie's like, what the hell? I paid all of, like I paid it all. And she's like, no, you have to get here right now. Get here now. So she goes over there. And there's this beautiful, perfect, like, well-rounded moment where the will reader is like, are you Maddie? Are you Maddie? Are you sure you're Maddie? Like, go get your ID. And she shows it, and he's like, your dad left all of this money, and it's just for you and for you only. So, here you go. Yeah, and so mom said something to her, like, as, like, before the guy starts reading the will or whatever, he's she's, like, telling her kids James and Maddie she's like oh like it's not all about money like this money's gonna help us so much when I go back to Ghana like the program I'm working on needs money so bad like like and then don't look at me like that because that's gonna be like it's not all about money like you should pray to God if money is like all in your heart and she starts quoting scripture and so then the guy says like Maddie your dad has left you all this money it's only for you and the mom like whips her head around and James, the brother, is like, oh, um, it's not all about money. Like, James says, after all, you shouldn't be so attached to this earth's material things. Matthew 6, verse 19. Slay. We love a Bible slay. And so <laughs> it was just, really good. it was this amazing moment where she was like, Obviously, she knew even if her dad didn't leave her anything, like, she knew kind of subconsciously that her dad cared about her. But she felt like her whole life, it was kind of like this thankless taking care of him because no one else would. And 
it was this moment where she kind of realizes when he did that, she was like, not only did he see me, but he saw that it was our whole lives. It was just me and him. Like it was me and him and he knew it and he loved me. Oh, yeah. So emotional. It was super emotional. So we kind of fast forward. We have this like happy ending. Um, She and Sam are talking about like grief and like being bonded by that. And she's obviously like in a really good match with this guy who's patient and kind. And then they have this very unnecessary (laughs) end of the book, open door sex scene. And I'm so glad that she got it in. But like, it's literally the ending of the book. Yeah. The thing is, Renee and I don't like love an unnecessary sex scene. But on the other hand, like, Maddie, like, was able to enjoy herself and she was able to experience pleasure and she was able to communicate with Sam and, like, she got some foreplay, yeehaw. Like, she kind of, like, got her goods. And so that was – it almost felt like, you know, some books want to kind of, like, tie every bow. And it's almost like at the end of the book they were like, and don't worry, Maddie did end up enjoying (laughs) sex. And I was like, that's not the lesson I wanted to learn at the end. I wanted it's, to learn therapy it's, works. It's literally the end of the book where he's like <laughs> coming. That's just so bizarre. The so last bizarre. line is like, fuck Maddie. <laughs> Don't worry, I listened to the audiobook and it sounded just like that. It sounded just like it. <laughs> so And then the next page is epilogue. Yeah, the next page is epilogue. I'm like, I'm still recovering. Um, So she's at her dad's grave, and she's like, I'm with Sam, and I'm so happy. And And I'm therapy. And I'm going to therapy, and she tells her mom about therapy, and her mom's like, is it about me? And I'm just like, you didn't want to tell your dad that you finally finished? You didn't want to tell him about the orgasms now that we're telling everyone? (laughs) And that, Um, ladies and gentlemen... Mame by Jessica George. And here's the thing, readers and listeners. It's very hard. I don't love to give a rating to a memoir or like someone's autobiography because I'm like, that. it just feels so deeply personal and weird to me. However, Jessica George gave this to us in a novel package. It's called Mame, a novel by Jessica George. (laughs) So I do feel like I'm going to judge it a little bit because all of the reviews told us it was so lighthearted and funny and fun and a gorgeous explosion of laughter and light. And I was like, what book did y'all read? Not a lot of light there. This one, the most light I got was texting Renee about how depressed I was. Like, (laughs) it was very tough. I also read this book in like like a five and a half hour stretch flat, like the entire book. And I was just like... It's devastated. so sad. Okay, also, like, I'm an audiobook girly through and through. Shout out to your local libraries, 100,000%. But this book on audio was, like, exceptionally tough because her mother, like, most narrators do all of the voices. And when she was doing the mother's Fuck voice. Maddie. Yeah, God. When she was doing her mother's voice, it was grating and she was shouting. It wasn't just saying annoying things every single time it was shouting. So I'd be like washing my hair with my nice new Innersense conditioner that's like, you know, feel gratitude about clean hair and experience joy. Like someone's mother is screaming in like a Ghanaian accent about how much money I need to give to my father for his funeral costs. And I, it was just so stressful. And there was so much pressure. 
And does that mean she's a good writer? Probably. Yeah. But does it mean I enjoyed the the book? No. No. I didn't. We're going to go, we're going to go with the three. Yeah, totally a three three star because I did sit and read it in one go. And if I really would have not wanted to, I'd have been like, Lindsay, I can't finish this. I'm so sorry. And the thing is, Jessica George is very obviously an incredibly talented writer. It's so raw. It's so emotional. It's so deeply personal and vulnerable. I just don't want it packaged in a bright, rainbow, gorgeous, floral book because I feel like it's it misled me into thinking like we're going to do something light. And it's actually it's a book about grief and not really the healing comes like five pages towards the end. So it's not really a book about healing. It's a book about like sorrow and like trying to connect with society when you've been forced to grow up, you know, too young. And God, I fucking hated the Googling and having to read (laughs) the Google articles. It's one thing if it just said she Googled the thing, but then you'd have to read the article with it. Every single time. And she Googled so much. It was so exhausted by the end. I was like, I was feeling I did, overwhelmed by I the, the e-book information. And the Google articles and the text that she sent would take up like three lines. Mm, like, yeah. Like, like a, like two words per line, which I mean, I'm not reading in like world's smallest font over here. <laughs> so like it would take up like a whole like six pages of the book or her Google searches. Yeah, so anyway, it's like that's it. we that did it. part that part of the book seemed made the book seem a lot longer. However, Jessica George, like I said, incredibly talented writer, but do not be fooled. This is not a lighthearted fun read. This is a book about grief and a book about family pressure and family trauma. And it has a gorgeous, beautiful African cultural cover that is in no way indicative of the type of book you're about to read. But I'm interested to see the show. I want to watch it. I want to learn about her. Um, I think it's going to be on, like, cable, so there won't be any open-door sex scenes, hopefully. Um, So maybe we'll enjoy the show more than we enjoyed the book. But, God, this was a toughie. This was a toughie. I am closing the book on that episode. That's what we've got. That's what we've got. Next week, we're going to take a total dive and do a non-fic. Yes. Next week, we're going to be covering Cultish, The Language of Fanaticism by Amanda Montel. This is a nonfiction book about, you guessed it, cults. So <laughs> you read it, it. You're going to love it. It's actually not like the typical true crime vibes that you would expect from a book like this. Um, so it's we're super giving, excited. It's giving CrossFit. It's giving... It's giving MLMs, babes. It's giving MLMs. It's, it's, it's a really giving, good book. It's giving corporate structure at work, babes. We're going to talk about it next week, and we cannot wait. Can't wait. All right. Follow us on Instagram at crybabybookspod. Yeah, and if you have a book you think we should read, send us an email. You can reach us at hi at crybabybooks.com. And that's Thanks it. Thanks for listening to us for six hours. Bye. Bye, bitches. Yeehaw. I just woke up my whole house.